Yeah, so we want to, we do want to thank you for how you've partnered faithfully with us for so many years. Um, and thank you for your prayers for us. Um, we've seen um, God work in our, our ministry with Wycliffe Bible translators as well as in our family. If we could go to the first slide there. Um, this is our family. Uh, Samuel's here with us today um, in the K to, K to 5 group, I believe. And um, yeah, he's yeah, he's going to go in the third grade. Our daughter and son, David, Joanna and David, are um, working at home, so they, they, they couldn't come with us. But uh, Joanna just graduated from college, and David graduated from high school this year, and um, he's, David's headed off to um, the University of South Carolina. Go on to the next slide. Um, yeah, so our the vision of Wycliffe is for people from every language to understand the Bible and be transformed. And our mission is to serve with the global body of Christ to advance Bible translation and work together so people can encounter God through his word. Um, some friends invited me to a missions conference um, shortly after I got out of school. And I was just praying for God's direction and wisdom and life. And I just was, as I went to a missions conference, um, I just was struck by the needs of God of people for God's word around the world and knowing what difference God's word had made personally in my own life and wanting to be a part of, of bringing his word to to these people who don't have it yet. Um, if we go on to the next slide, um, I've been encouraged to see what God has done over the years, um, but there's still a lot of work to do. So 1.5 billion people don't have the Bible in language that they understand. Um, and that's a, out of uh, 7,300 languages that are spoken or by the deaf community are signed. That's about 300 of those. And 1,545 languages are yet to start. Um, and that's, um, I wanted to share, though, about some encouragement that, um, if we go on to the next slide, with um, a video that was made from 2022, but just it's encouraging to see what God did that year. We're looking forward to what, seeing what he'll do in the next year as well. Have you ever sat back, reflected on the past year, and simply been in awe of what God has done? That's exactly how I feel as I reflect on what has happened in the Bible translation movement in 2022. This year, Wycliffe celebrated our 80th anniversary as an organization. We spent time looking back at our history and been reminded that decade after decade, God has been faithful. And this year is no exception. In fact, we have seen incredible growth and acceleration in Bible translation. We ask God to equip us to engage with 200 new languages in 2022. At the time, we believed this was truly a faith goal as we had engaged 150 languages in 2021. But God had other plans. Nearly 500 languages were engaged this year. So one of the things I'm most excited about in this season of exponential growth is witnessing the local church asking for, and sometimes even starting, scripture translations in their own languages and communities. In Togo, Benin, and Gabon, amazing things are happening. As a result of the collaboration and local ownership of the work, these three West African countries will have active projects in every language still needing scripture by 2025. The incredible growth and accelerated impact we've seen in recent months is something we can only attribute to God. 
he has continued to go above and beyond our wildest imaginations for the good of his people and his ultimate glory. I'm reminded of Psalm 86, 9 through 10 in this season. All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name, for you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. So as we look back at all God has done in 2022, I want to say thank you. You are a part of this work. You play a role in declaring God's name among the nations. You can rejoice and celebrate that God is doing amazing things around the world through his global church as he calls people by name and invites them into a relationship with him. What a joy and a privilege it is to be part of God's global mission. I can't wait to see what he will do next year. I'll have Laura share a bit about our our story. Um, again, we just do want to say thank you. I hope that's one of the things you hear the loudest this morning, because y'all have been partnering with us for 25 years. Um, and when we think of just what God did in the last year, that's amazing. But those 25 years of God's faithfulness to us and a lot of his faithfulness through you to us, it's it's really amazing to have a church body where 50 people are regularly committed to praying for missionaries. I mean, that's that's really incredible. I don't think we have, this is unique. So just know how special you all are to us and how grateful we are. Um, so a little bit just going back of our story, um, Michael shared how he was called into missions. I was really blessed as well to grow up in a Christian family and really never had a time when I didn't know the love of the Lord Jesus. Um, as I grew up, I began to understand that um, my decisions and following him meant surrendering to his lordship in my life. And um, so throughout high school, I went on different short-term mission trips with my youth group, and God just kept nudging me toward missions, and I heard a little bit about Wycliffe Bible Translators, and eventually I was taking a missions class in college, and they encouraged us to take a card and begin praying for a people group that didn't have the Bible. And I thought, well, I can do that right away. I wanted so badly to go. Like, I want to be out there somewhere. But here I was, and so I could pray for this Bibleless people group. So I started to pray for the DZ people of Ethiopia and asked that God would send a translator. I prayed that he would open their hearts to receive his word. And I just kept praying that. I can't say I prayed it every day. I did pray it regularly. And gradually, God used my prayers to change my own heart. And I felt like I needed to be willing to be part of the answer to that. So stepwise from there, God led me into Wycliffe. And I thought I was going to Indonesia for two years. But God had other plans. Um, we met in our Wycliffe training. And we were married in 1997. Um, shortly after we were married, Mike got a letter from some friends of his who he had known in training. Their names were Marvin and Suzanne Leachie, and they were very excited because they had just been assigned to the DZ people of Ethiopia, and that was the group that I'd been praying for. So I thought God was just using my prayers to get me where he wanted me to be, but he was actually using my prayers in the life of this couple and this group in Ethiopia on the other side of the world. So God had a different assignment for us. We were sent to West Asia to do language survey. And language survey is 
trying to find out the best dialect for Bible translation because we don't want to use the back of the hill dialect and then also making sure that it's an area that couldn't be served by an existing translation because we don't want to reduplicate what takes too much time um, to spend in the wrong place. So we were doing language surveys, learning the national language there, learning some of the local language. And one of the highlights of that time was my friendship with a girl I'll call Rebecca. And she was my closest neighbor. She was my language teacher. Um, she taught me a lot of things like when to keep my head covered. And um, I remember going to the bazaar with her and I was trying to be all quiet and appropriate in that culture. And the shopkeeper looked at me and said, is she deaf and dumb? Because I wasn't speaking. <laughs> I thought I was being appropriate. And Rebecca, we both just laughed until we cried. Um, but she was able to laugh with me at my mistakes. And as I got to learn more of the language, um, she began to ask me questions like, why does your husband treat you so well? Because she saw that our marriage was different. Or what do you think the end of the world will be like? And I said, well, we have to look in the Bible for those answers. And so we did. And she finally said, you know, I want to read the whole story of the life of Jesus. I was like, okay, <laughs> we can do that. But we couldn't do that easily because the Bible was only in the national language. And Rebecca had learned some of the national language in school, but to give you the best idea of what it'd be like, the clo closest thing I can equate it to is if you were trying to study the Bible with someone who didn't speak English well, but what you had to use was, this, was the King James Version. Now, the King James Version is poetic and beautiful, but it is not easy for a second language speaker to understand. And that was Rebecca's situation as she looked at the National Bible. So she and I were sitting with dictionaries and talking through the meaning of each verse. And one day we got to John 3.16. And I read it to her. And she looked at me and she said, read that again. And so I read it to her again. She said, you know, my people search for healing. They spend their money on charms and amulets. But the healing that they need is in these words. God so loved the world. And we were thrilled to see Rebecca come to understand the truth and the power of God's word. Um, but shortly after that, our story had another, another curve, and I don't know if I'll share that with you. So after September 11th, 2001, um, well, we, Laura was 35 weeks along with our first baby. And um, our administrator gave us a call because we needed to kind of get be on the fast track out of the country because there was a short window when we could, would be able to travel. So 36 hours after getting that call, we were um, had our house packed up, thanks to some friends helping us, and we were in the capital city waiting for a flight out. Um, God opened up the doors for us to, um, at first we had an open-ended ticket because the airports here were still closed. Um, so the last place we knew where we were going to land was Amsterdam, and um, yeah, but her sister had uh, was ha also expecting so we got in with a really great doctor um, who worked with us. We had a, a car within a week, a place to stay. My Aunt Martha, who lives in Interlaken, had a place in Florida. So we were able to be there. And I, just about when we had everything settled, um, Joanna was born. <laughs> and we're thankful for God taking care of us through that whole time. So um, we, we never expected to have to leave Wesley the way we did. And we certainly thought we were going back. 
um, but it just became clear that that was not a place where our family was going to be able to be. God was closing the doors there, and we thought, God, what on earth are you doing? This is not what we planned for or prayed for. You know, it just it was a, a confusing and, and difficult time. But Michael had been um, my software developer before he joined with us, and we had been doing language work over time. And then there was a big need for people who could develop language software um, at JARS in North Carolina. And so God brought those two pieces together. Um, none of it was wasted. And um, the software that he's been developing, along with a team of people, it's not just him, but a big team of people work together. And that software is used in 95% of the translation projects around the world. So um, it's making a difference in each project, but they're able to do it more accurately and quickly and easily. Um, and Mike's also been able to go overseas and train some translators, and we've now seen some of those um, scriptures dedicated. And it's just been exciting to be a part of that journey in different ways. But one thing we saw that was really neat, um, I would, when before the pandemic, Michael worked in the office at JARS, and I would call him and say, how can I pray for you today? And we'd talk through the middle of the day, and. You know, I was homeschooling, so you know what to pray for that. And <laughs> and then uh, he was—he would tell me what he was working on, and sometimes I understood it well enough, and other times I didn't. But one day he was describing this problem. I'm like, oh, okay, I understand. So a language group had written in and said, the spell checker is causing us problems because when they would write out dialogue, um, like Jesus is talking to Martha, for example, um, Martha's name would be marked with a small I in front of it. Well, spell checkers don't like to have a small I in them in that way. Um, and so they were having to go through and deal with all those manually. And they said, could you please help us make this faster? And I said, that's really curious. How many languages in the world do you think do something like that? And he said, well, this came in from Marvin Beachy, from the DZ people. And that was the group that I've been praying for. So. Out of all the thousands of languages in the world, God actually allowed us to specifically help that one. That was really cool. Um, so I will let Michael tell you more about uh, different places around the world where we see God moving um, and just how he's using his word. But again, we just want to say thank you. Also, I want to say um, many of you already get our newsletter, our prayer updates. You get updates from Martha. But if you don't get our updates and you would like them, want to stay in closer touch with us, we've got a table out front that we um, encourage you to look at. So thank you for that. And I'll just give that one back. So this morning, I would look, like to look at the power and the purpose of the word and just think about God's promises to, to people groups around the world and to us as well. And as, so as we kind of take a tour of some different countries, I promise um, we won't have jet lag or <laughs> I'll get to home in time for lunch. And um, yeah, just want to start with um, Isaiah 55, 11. It just says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I, for which I sent it. So God sends his word out and nothing can stop it. Um, in August 2018, the Salika people of Sudan celebrated God's word, the, the New Testament, in their language. And um, 
at some points they thought they weren't going to get it there. They were from a war-torn area of Sudan. Um, They were living as refugees, but God opened up the way and allowed them to have it, and they have it now. So I'm really celebrating with Thanksgiving for what God has done. Um, For the Clico, it's also a a big milestone for Wycliffe as well. That's the 1,000th translation that Wycliffe has been involved in since um, we started as an organization in 1934. Um, From 1934 to 2001, it took uh, that many years to do the first 500. um, 17 years later, um, 1,000 were done. And Russ Hurstman is the chief operations officer for Wycliffe, and he said it was because of the, the global church, um, the Africa, Asia, how God is moving there, and um, people are being more involved in Bible translations internationally. Um, and also computers are speeding up the process, um, helping people get um, accurate and look accurate, more accurately and efficiently. So God is sending out his word among the people, among the Coleco, among us, and um, his purposes are to go after that. Um, if we can go to the next slide. Um, God establishes churches. So Colossians 1, six says, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. And we can go on to the next slide with the, the Mido people of Mozambique. Uh, Mozambique's on the, the east coast of Africa. And um, about 100 years ago, they, would, they had churches, but only like 70 believers to a, a people group of 750,000. And um, as they, wor- they just worshiped in Portuguese, they didn't really understand. But over the years, as the translation progressed, um, they had more and more scripture portions available to them. And um, John Eastminger is the, one of their translators there, and he estimates that there are over 30,000 believers now um, and many, many churches throughout the, the Mido-speaking area. So God's word does bear fruit um, and it establishes his church. If we go on to the next slide, we have um, God's word changes hearts and communities. Romans 10:17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. If we look at the Madama people of Chad, in 2021, it was a, uh, a turning point for them um, as they received portions um, of scripture, the, the enmity that they had between Christians and Muslims was breaking. God's, God's word was breaking out as they were um, forgiving and also reaching out in love. And it kind of, it was uh, encouraging to see on the, um, during the scripture dedication that the Muslim women cooked uh, the meal so that the Christian women could be involved with it, um, with the, the scripture celebration. So even as the, these portions came in, God's word was changing hearts and um, will continue, continue to do that through his word. Next thing is uh, that God's word brings understanding. Psalm 119, 130 says, the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And if we go on to the next slide with uh, with Yuli Sefawet, he is with the Manado Mele people. And um, 
So I, I met her at a, a, work, a workshop for paratypes in 2019. And when she began as a translator, um, she didn't have a full understanding because she worked, um, read the Bible in Indonesia. And through an interpreter, she said, when I first read the translation in the Manado language, I felt like the Lord was speaking directly to my heart. I came to know God in a closer way and have meaning in my life. And now I want others to be able to experience it. So God, God's word brings understanding. It brings understanding to us um, as, as we seek him. Next, God's word brings hope. Psalm 119, 81 says, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. During the um, pandemic, the Hiraka people of Kenya celebrated a full Bible in their language, and um, Onesimus Kamara is one of the translators from that group, and he, he, um, he said that the, just that this translation was just a blessing and encouragement that they needed. Um, Jafet is one person. <coughs> Excuse me. Got my water. <coughs> Jafet is. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. <laughs> Get the help I need. Jafet. <coughs> I'm sorry. Jafet is one of the the people that um, received God's word um, at that scripture celebration. And um, he walked with his family more than <clears throat> 15 miles to receive a copy of God's word. I'm, I've never walked 15 miles <laughs> to get a copy of the Bible. And what's more amazing about Jafet is that he is blind. Um, <clears throat> and in what you see him holding there in his hand is uh, an audio version of the scriptures. And he'll listen to that by the hour. He's, and as you see this, the book open is um, on the table there as well. His daughter will sometimes read to him. And he says, as he listens to that, it's like getting to know a friend. Um, so this, the word brings hope. And we see that in the Hirak, and we see that in our own lives. As, um, God's word is a blessing to us. And God's, <coughs> I'm sorry. God's word is living and active. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I think many of us here can think back to a time when God's word said just the right thing at just the right time. And I, I can think of um, God's word bringing like guidance just for the next step I needed to take, or encouragement, or correction, um, comfort. Um, Laura, can, Laura and I can remember, think back to a time um, when we just received that in God's word, and there's been many times then, but we were working in the um, Himalayan foothills, about 6,500 feet, so we got snow up there. Um, as we were approaching our first winter and knew the snows were coming, um, some friends up who lived up the hill from us, we lived on a steep hillside, and they offered us to, that we could park at their house because their, their street was clear to the snow, but our hill was so steep that once the snows came, come, came had come, we would just be, um, we would be stuck until the spring thaw started to come. So as um, snows came and overnight there was three feet of snow, 
and we were very grateful for her friends that um, we could park our car there. As the winter went on, um, we discovered that there were some strings attached to that. They had expectations, and that one of these expecta expectations was that we would co-sign a loan on a house, and there were other things, and we thought, I don't think we can do this. <laughs> um, so we noticed like a barrier went up between us and them, and not just between us and them, but between other people in the community because they were connected, um, they were related or had um, connected in some way to many people. And so somehow we came across, uh, I think reading through scripture, we came across um, Second Chronicles 20, and it's the story of Jehoshaphat um, and the Ammonites and the Moabites are coming against him. He has these two armies. And just it was encouraging to see his response to that. So instead of trying to muster his army and just strengthen them, he declares a fast. So he makes everyone weaker as he humbles himself. He humbles himself before God. And he calls out to God and he says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then as he hear, hears a prophecy that, that God will prevail, he'll give him the victory, he focuses on worship and praise. And that was just what we needed at that time. We didn't have two armies coming against us, but we, were, we could honestly pray, we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you. And as we focused on praise and worship, the problem was still there, <laughs> but it got smaller. And we were reminded how much greater God is. Um, and he, he also, God also provided over time um, a friend who kind of helped us negotiate with this family. We had tried to, to make things right to pay rent, but um, they made a way for us to do that. And so the relationship was restored, and we just saw God working in, in the friendship that, that was restored. So God's word is living and active, and you can see it again and again. God works in us and through us. I also want to look at um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. First, God's work, word is profitable for teaching. Um, as students of, of the word, we need to come with humility, realizing we need to be taught that God has um, offers everything to us. Um, and that that we, we need reproof, we need correction, we need training. Um, so we need to, this is a reminder to myself as well, to keep reading even during the, the times that are dry, that God is, is working and he'll, he will bring fruit from us. And finally, God is equipping. So as we go through the training, he's equipping us to live well. And finally, um, there is a time that God's word has no value. This, um, so this Hebrews 4-2 passage is about the Israelites going into the promised land. Well, they're not going into the promised land because they don't believe. So they're not receiving the rest that God wants to give them and, and the blessing that God wants to give them because of their unbelief. So Hebrews 4-2 says, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. And in order to receive the blessing of God's word, we need to obey it. 
if you look at um, James 1, 22 and 23. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So if I look at the mirror and I have a bedhead <laughs> or something um, and then don't, don't act on it, then that mirror or God's word also has no value. Um, so that th- it is a gift for us, but God uses it in our lives. He wants us to, um, to live it. <laughs> and so I want to just think about um, all this, the purpose and the power of God's word as we've thought about it today. He, he does send his word out. It does um, yield a harvest in our lives and in the harvest of harvest in people around the world, whether they've just received it or have had it for centuries, like we've been blessing here. He strengthens the church. He establishes the church um, as they get God's word. God's word changes us. It gives us understanding that we need to live. It gives us hope. It gives us just what we need at just the right time. He offers a free gift of salvation to us, and he wants us to call out to him and receive it. So if we can look at the next slide. It's God is always there. He's always calling out to us. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. So as long as God gives us life, um, we have the opportunity to come to him. And he's there for us and wants to give us a free gift. He wants us to give us a relationship and that we can come to him. And all of us have times when we feel closer or further away from God. Um, but just in season and out of season, just call out to him um, through prayer, through his word, through community. And I'd like to close with um, Hosea 6.3. It says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. Surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rain, like the spring rain of our old year. Let me close us in prayer. Father, um, we are so grateful for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have of um, just having a a language we can understand. I pray that you would uh, make your word spread. Thank you for your promise to send it out and for you to accomplish your purpose for the power you have, for how you give comfort, encouragement, hope, um, the truth of your word, Lord. And that you're always there for us. And we pray that your word would um, accomplish its purposes in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks again for being here with us today in person and online. And thanks so much to the Lawlers for sharing about their very important work with us. Thank you again.